archers. The oriflamme might as well have stayed unfurled. We can take the tower, sire, Sir Geoffrey de Charny, as hard a soldier as any in Philip's army, gestured down the hill to where the English garrison of Neulay was isolated on the French side of the river. To what end? Philip asked. He was a weak man, hesitant in battle, but his question was pertinent. If the tower did fall, and the bridge of Neulay was thus delivered into his hands, what would it serve? The bridge merely led to an even greater English army, which was already arraying itself on the firm ground at the edge of its encampment. The citizens of Calais, starved and despairing, had seen the French banners on the southern crest, and they had responded by hanging their own flags from their ramparts. They displayed images of the Virgin, pictures of Saint-Denis of France, and, high on the citadel, the blue and yellow royal standard, to tell Philip that his subjects still lived, still fought. Yet the brave display could not hide that they had been besieged for eleven months. They needed help. "'Take the tower, sire,' Sir Geoffrey urged, "'and then attack across the bridge. Good Christ! If the goddams see us win one victory, they might lose heart!' A growl of agreement came from the assembled lords. The king was less optimistic. It was true that Calais' garrison still held out, and that the English had hardly damaged its walls, let alone found a way to cross the twin moats. But nor had the French been able to carry any supplies to the beleaguered town. The people there did not need encouragement, they needed food. A puff of smoke showed beyond the encampment and a few heartbeats later the sound of a cannon rolled across the marshes. The missile must have struck the wall, but Philip was too far away to see its effect. A victory here will encourage the garrison, the lord of Montmorency urged, and put despair in the English hearts. But why should the English lose heart if the Tower of Neulay fell? Philip thought it would merely fill them with the resolve to defend the road on the far side of the bridge but he also understood that he could not keep his rough hounds leashed when a hated enemy was in sight, and so he gave his permission. "'Take the tower,' he instructed, "'and God give you victory.' The king stayed where he was as the lords gathered men and armed themselves. The wind from the sea brought the smell of salt, but also a scent of decay which probably came from rotting weed on the long tidal flats. It made Philip melancholy. His new astrologer had refused to attend the king for weeks, pleading that he had a fever, but Philip had learned that the man was in fine health, which meant that he must have seen some great disaster in the stars, and simply feared to tell the king. Gulls cried beneath the clouds. Far out to sea, a grubby sail bellied towards England while another ship was anchoring off the English-held beaches and ferrying men ashore in small boats to swell the enemy ranks. Philip looked back to the roads, and saw a group of around forty or fifty English knights riding towards the bridge. He made the sign of the cross, praying that the knights would be trapped by his attack. He hated the English. Hated them. The Duke of Bourbon, had delegated the organization of the assault to Sir Geoffrey de Charny and Edouard de Bourgeau. 
and that was good. The king trusted both men to be sensible. He did not doubt they would carry the tower, though he still did not know what good it would do. But he supposed it was better than letting his wilder noblemen carry their lances in a wild charge across the bridge to utter defeat in the marshlands. He knew they would love nothing better than to make such an attack. They thought war was a game, and every defeat only made them more eager to play. Fools, he thought. And he made the sign of the cross again, wondering what dire prophecy the astrologer was hiding from him. What we need, he thought, is a miracle, some great sign from God. Then he twitched in alarm, because a nakerer had just beaten his great kettle drum. A trumpet sounded. The music did not presage the advance. Rather, the musicians were warming their instruments, ready for the attack.